and open them to the book of Hosea, the book of Hosea chapter 14, Hosea chapter number 14, and uh, we'll be finishing up in the book of Hosea this evening, and uh, then as I mentioned uh, last week, I've asked uh, my dad to begin a series on the book of Joel. And uh, so next Sunday, he'll begin a series on the book of Joel. The theme of the book of Joel is the day of the Lord. And um, that's a, it's a really great book uh, of the Bible. Uh, just a couple of chapters there. And uh, so he's going to start that uh, next uh, Wednesday. And uh, so I would encourage you between now and next Wednesday, just read those three chapters, right? Uh, and that way you'll kind of have an idea of what's going to be being taught. And of course, he's just going to go verse by verse um, through the book of Hosea, or excuse me, through the book of Joel. And uh, really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to that series as we finish up um, Hosea here tonight. So let's go ahead and read Hosea chapter fourteen. We'll read all uh, nine verses. Again, it's kind of the last uh, chapter here. He says, "O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord." Say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, Ye are our gods. For in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel, he shall grow as the lily, and cast forth his roots as Lebanon." His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. So we're kind of looking at, as Hosea is winding up here, this uh, book, um, it's really kind of dealing with the future of Israel. And we saw this last week, God is basically saying, if Israel would return, then God would forgive them. Uh, He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. And so he's pleading, he's making one more plea for Israel Uh, to return. And he tells them, if you will return, I will forgive. Uh, If you'll just repent and come back, I will forgive. And uh, aren't you glad that God is is faithful and long-suffering that uh, so many times when we fail him, God says, look, if you'll just just repent, if you'll just seek me, uh, I'll forgive you and and I'll I'll put you right again. And and so this is what we were seeing last week in the first couple verses here. Um, But in order to um, forgive them, they had to be willing to return. They had to be willing to repent. And so God tells them exactly what he expects them to do. We saw that in verse number two and three. Uh, they had broken their vow, and so he expected them to keep their word and to keep their vow to him. Uh, they had sinned against God, and so he expected them to put away all their iniquity. Um, they had uh, turned to others for, for strength and protection and provision. And, and so he's saying, look, you can't turn to other people. You need to trust in me. Uh, they had turned to other gods. And uh, so he says, look, you've got you've to put away all of those gods. And so he says, if you will do that, then I will, I will forgive. 
And uh, so after God tells them exactly what they needed to do, then he tells them exactly what he will do. Isn't that, isn't that great? That's, that's exactly what God does. God says, if you will do this, let me tell you what I'm going to do, right? And, and when God tells you he's going to do something, take it to the bank, right? Because he's going to do it. Uh, and, and that's the thing that when we look at the promises of God, we can, we can understand that when God says something, it's, it's going to be real. It's, it's true. And so when God says, look, if you'll repent, not only will I forgive you, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what I will do as well. And uh, as Christians, that's why we know the Bible says, you know, if for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We know God says, if this is what you will do, this is what I will do. If you'll repent and turn to me, then I will forgive your sin. I will give you eternal life. I'll give you my righteousness. God says, this is what I will do. But first, this is what you have to do, right? Uh, and he says the same thing here to Israel. He says, look, I'm willing to forgive you and I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. But this is what you have to do first. You have to be willing to repent. You have to be willing to put away your sin. You have to be willing to, to put me first as, as your God. And so he tells them exactly what he's going to do if they will repent. So watch what he says in verse number four. He says, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely for mine anger is turned away from him. So not only does he say he will forgive them, but he also says he will heal them. He says, I will heal they're backsliding. Now, remember, how many remember back in uh, chapter 4, there was some, there was a, um, some, God called them something. God called Israel something. Does anybody remember they were a backsliding what? Anybody remember? A backsliding heifer. Isn't that a great thing to be called? <laughs> but that's what God called Israel. Back in chapter 4, in, uh, in verse number 16, he says, For Israel slideth back as a backsliding heifer. Um, and, uh, basically what he's saying is that the, there is that they had, uh, like a, like a cow that you're trying to pull, they, they, they plant those front legs and they lean back and they are, you're not going to move them. And that's what Israel done. They said, Hey, we're, they were just stubborn. And, uh, and God says, you're, you're going to have to get over this. You're going to have to humble yourself. Right. And, uh, so he tells them that he is going to heal their backsliding. He's going to help them to, uh, be healed. Now, this is not a physical healing, right? Um, this would be a spiritual healing because the backsliding was a spiritual backsliding, okay? Now, obviously, a lot of what they were doing physically was sin, but it resulted because they were spiritually backslidden from God, right? Um, when, when, you look at, when you look at a Christian's life, the, the evidence of what is seen in a Christian's life is simply a result of what is in the heart, Right. And so if you have a Christian that is basically again, and when I say a Christian, I'm not talking Christian loosely. I'm talking about a Christian, how we define a Christian. That is somebody who's put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And again, I understand that there are some religions that teach. Well, you know, if if you backslide or if uh, if you're not faithful to God, then you lose your salvation. Well, the Bible is very clear that when a person puts their faith and trust in Christ, they have eternal life. That's everlasting life. It cannot be lost, right? Now, we can lose that fellowship with Christ, right? Um, I was actually, uh, the other night when we were out on impact, we were um, out on a street, and it was almost the last house that we were at. And uh, we went to the house, and the man was sitting kind of out on the, on the porch there. 
and uh, he, uh, he said, yeah, he said, I, I know First Baptist. He said, I, uh, that was where Fred Hill used to be. I was like, yeah, Pastor Hill's there. He's like, uh, uh, he's like, yeah, Fred Hill, he was a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm like, yep, that was, you, you know Pastor Hill. And uh, he's like, um, he's like, so, uh, you know, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but he, he said, let me ask you a question. He says, do you believe that in this uh, once saved, always saved thing? Uh, or what some people call eternal security. And I told him, I said, uh, I said, yes, sir. I said, I believe that when a person puts their faith and trust in Christ, that they are saved. They're part of the family of God. Uh, I said, now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect? No. Uh, does that mean when we do something wrong that we are no longer part of God's family? I said, no. I said, we, are still, we still have that relationship with Christ. But I said, when we sin, the fellowship is broken. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, I've never heard anybody explain it that way before, but he said, that makes sense. That makes sense. He said, I've never, ever heard anybody explain it that way before, but he said, that makes sense. And he told me, he said, um, he said you might see us up there sometime, so maybe, maybe the gentleman will come. Um, but he's, he's dealing with some cancer issues and things like that, and uh, Lord willing, he'll be able to make it sometime. But, uh, but that's, that's exactly what he's talking about here. Israel was God's people, but they had backslidden. And, and so when you look at a Christian's life, what you'll find, again, a person that's truly put their faith in Christ, if they're not being obedient to God, it's not a physical condition, although we can see the physicalness of it, it's a spiritual condition, right? Nobody just, no, no Christian just wakes up one morning and decides, you know what, I don't think I'm going to serve God today. It's not just a boom, I've just decided not to serve God. No, there is a, there's a gradual progression that takes place in the heart of that person, right? There's little things that begin to to happen in that person's life. Maybe they stop their Bible reading. Maybe they stop praying. Maybe they're they're not uh, in church. Maybe they're not trying to witness or whatever it might be. But there's, there's little things that begin to happen, which ends up leading them to maybe just totally quitting and saying, hey, I'm, I'm done with God or whatever. But what happened? It was a spiritual condition, right? It's not the physical thing that's showing that it's it's the spiritualness of it that what is inside is being revealed on the outside that's why the bible says by their fruit ye shall know them right people say well you're not supposed to judge um we're not judging we're fruit inspectors that's what we are we're fruit inspectors let me see the fruit what what fruit are you bearing are, are you bearing the the fruit of the spirit are you bearing uh the right fruit or are you bearing wrong fruit right uh, that's, that's what God tells us to do. And so Israel, he says they had, they had backslidden. Uh, and so this wasn't a physical healing they needed. It was a spiritual healing. Um, and, and notice what he says here. Um, in, in, in the same way that physical healing will take time, right? Um, some of you know, my mom yesterday just had surgery on her knee and, um, it, it was great. Uh, I, I, t- <laughs> um, so my dad had to be at another, he had, a, he had another appointment um, that he had to be at. And so I went and picked up my mom and went up there to where, you know, uh, waiting for her to get done with the surgery. And so they finally let me go back and my mom's sitting there. And of course, she's still groggy from the anesthesia. And uh, I, I walked in the room and I said, congratulations, mom, you're, you've got a new baby. She looked at me like, what? I'm like, just kidding. <laughs> So then on the way home, my dad calls. He's like, how's mom? And I said, congratulations, dad. You're the proud father.
father again. <laughs> He's like, I better not be. <laughs> so, so, of course, my, mom is, my mom's healing from, from the surgery. And, uh, you know, uh, last, last night we were trying to help her in. You know, she was not walking well, you know, going into the house. I mean, she just had surgery and things on, on her knee. And so she's not walking well. And, and I'm going to be pretty sure, and then I, I'm sure they're probably watching this tonight as well. So, hi, Mom. <laughs> um, I don't think that today my mom was just running laps around the house, right? Um, and she's probably not going to do that tomorrow either. In fact, she's probably not going to do that next week, okay? Uh, why? Because physical healing takes time, right? There's time for healing. And, and do you understand that spiritual healing takes time too? Spiritual healing is not just an immediate thing. Oh, boom, we're, we're, all, we're all better now. No, no. Spiritual healing takes time as well. Now, is there forgiveness? Sure. There can be forgiveness. But are we just right back to where we were before we fell spiritually? No, of course not. There, there, is, a, there is time that is needed for that spiritual healing. The forgiveness can be immediate, but the spiritual restoration to where we need to be spiritually is going to take some time. Well, watch what he said. He said, I'll heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. Even though, even though God says, look, I will heal you, and I'm going to spiritually restore you, God understood that this was going to take time. And even knowing that this was going to take time, God says, I want you to know I'm going to love you through this whole process. I'm going to love you through it. He said, I, I love you where, uh, even where, though you have sinned against me. He said, I love you. You're, you're still mine. But he says, I, I'm not happy with you. There's going to be judgment. But he says, as, you are, uh, as you're making this spiritual healing restoration, as this is going to be happening, he says, I want you to know I'm going to love you freely. And, and the word freely there, it, it means voluntarily. Because think about it. They have backslidden. They have totally turned away from God. Did they deserve God's love? No, of course not. They didn't deserve it. Just like you and I have never deserved God's love. We didn't deserve God's love before we were saved. We didn't deserve God's love after we were saved. We don't deserve God's love. But aren't you glad that God says, I love you freely, voluntarily. We don't have to do something to earn his love. We didn't have to do something before we were saved to earn his love or we never would have earned it, never would have received it. Because we could never earn his love. And the same way, even after salvation, we're not being obedient to earn his love. He, he loves us freely, voluntarily, right? You say, well, then what's the purpose of, of asking forgiveness when we sin? Because even though he loves us, that fellowship can be broken. The relationship is still there, but the fellowship, just like a, the, the fellowship between a, uh, a parent and a child, when a child does wrong, man, the parent still loves the child unconditionally, but the fellowship there is broken. And in the same way, God says, look, I'm going to love you through this, even though you don't deserve it, even though you haven't done anything to earn it. He said, I'm going to love you through this. And it wasn't because of what they had done. He would love them simply because... He chose to love them. Again, we have this whole wrong perception about love. Love is an emotion. Love is a feeling. No, it's not. Love is a choice. 
Love is a choice. And we see it exactly right here. God says, you've done nothing to earn my love. You don't deserve my love. But I choose to love you freely. I choose to love you voluntarily. You haven't done anything for it. I'm showing you what love is. And even through this process, I'm going to love you through it. And watch what he says here. For mine anger is turned away from him. Hey, did they do some pretty wrong things that got God kind of upset? Yeah, we're going to see that a little bit later on. But God says, even, he says, when you are willing to repent and when you're willing to return, he said, I want you to know, I will forgive you and I will heal you and my anger will be turned away from you. Anger will be turned away. Notice another thing. Not only will he heal, but he says he will revive. Notice in verses 5 through 7, he says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branch shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. So notice, notice this, um, there is kind of, he's, he's using the, the analogy of the land to show this reviving that's going to take place. There is going to be the, a revival that takes place among Israel. And, and he talks about this. He says, I will be as the dew unto Israel. Now, especially in the, in the summer and in the early fall, the dew in Israel is, is very heavy um, and it's, it's desperately needed uh, because it is such, it is, uh, it's a dry climate and uh, it doesn't receive a lot of rain and things. And so that dew is very, very important uh, for that area. And so where once he says there's barrenness, no, notice he says, I'll be uh, as the dew unto them. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. So as, as once there's, again, think about it, after Assyria is going to come, they're going to wipe Israel off the face uh, of the earth here. And, and Israel for, is just going to be kind of a barren wasteland. It's, it's just going to be desolate. Um, but God says I, I, there's going to come a time when he's going to revive them. Where there was barrenness, ugliness, emptiness, the ground is going to become fruitful again. And it's not just the ground that is going to become fruitful. Again, this, is, this analogy is of Israel. Israel is going to become fruitful again. Okay? He's going to give them new life. Again, he says, this is what I'm going to do. Right? He's telling them, I'm going to do this, but first, you have to be willing to repent. I'm going to do this, but first you have to be willing to turn. He says, if you'll, if you'll turn, I'll forgive you, I'll heal you, and I'll revive. He said, I, I, will, I will bless you, and I will bring back the, the fruitfulness that you once had. I mean, look at what he says here. Again, all of these verses kind of just indicate the, uh, the reviving that's taking place here. Right? He talks about uh, growing as the lily and casting forth his root as Lebanon. So they're, they're going to grow, they're blossom, they'll be beautiful again. The land will be beautiful, the people will be beautiful again. There's going to be that growing and the blossoming as the lily. He says, um, and, and cast forth roots as Lebanon. So there, he, God's going to give them the, the, the deep roots. Uh, again, if you remember, what was the famous tree that would come out of Lebanon throughout the Bible times? Anybody know? 
The cedar, right? The cedar tree was a, a famous, uh, it, was a, it was an important tree that was found in Lebanon. And those cedar trees would have deep, deep roots. And he says, you're going to be rooted. You're going to have those deep roots as the cedars of Lebanon. Um, and verse number six, his branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. So again, he talks about the branches uh, spreading out, the uh, Israel going forth again, the beauty being seen as the olive tree. Um, again, that, that beauty being there. Um, he talks about in verse number uh, at the end, and, and his smell is Lebanon. Uh, and verse number seven, they that dwell under his shadow shall return. So they're, they're going to be acceptable to all that, that, that good smell that was found there in Lebanon. Uh, and then also the, the security dwelling under, the sh- under his shadow. So there's going to be that, that security dwelling under the shadow of his branches. And then he talks about how fruitful they're going to be. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. So they're, they're, they're going to be producing again. They're, this corn is going to be yielding. The vine or the, the grapes are going to be growing again. So he's talking about the bounty that is going to come from Israel again. They're going to be fruitful like the vine and, uh, and famous again. But notice, did you notice... Three different times, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, there's one word repeated. Anybody notice what that one word is? I'll give you a hint. It's at the end of every verse. Wow, you guys are sharp. I'm telling you. Amazing, right? Amazing. You notice at the end of verse number 5, it says, as Lebanon. The end of verse number 6, as Lebanon. The end of verse number 7, of Lebanon. Why does God use Lebanon so much here? Why, is, why does he keep referring to Lebanon, Lebanon, Lebanon? Because here was the problem with Israel. They were always looking outside for help. They were always looking outside for prosperity. They were always looking outside for something. And they would often look to Lebanon as well, Syria uh, and, and Lebanon. And that's where they would many times look to. And God says, hey, there's going to be a time when you're going to stop looking to someone else. You're going to stop looking to all these other things. Again, remember, what was, what's the first picture we find in Hosea about this? The first picture that God gives us about Israel. What was it in the very beginning of Hosea? What was it? The first picture has to do with the, the name of the book. Hosea and Gomer. Ooh, wow, I'm telling you, all right, we, I know it's been a while since we've gone through this, all right, but that was the first picture he gives of Israel, right? Hosea and Gomer. Hosea is the picture of God, and Gomer is the picture of Israel, and what did Gomer do? Gomer began looking outside the marriage for all of her things. She started looking at for her pleasure. She started looking out there for, for what could satisfy. Uh, the, it talks about the, the wine and the corn and all of this. She's looking outside of marriage, outside of her marriage in, with Gomer, for all the things that she thought would bring satisfaction. And what did she find? She found that as she left that marriage vow and yes she was enjoying sin for a season what did she find she found all of those outside cared nothing about her and she and she began to realize every all the provision that she had was coming from one person it was coming back from hosea 
Hosea was the one that was following her, providing for her, that, because these other people didn't care. And so what is, what is he saying here? The same thing. Just as Israel was always looking outside of God, they were looking at these other countries, namely Lebanon and Syria. They were looking to them. God says, hey, let me tell you something. Guess who is really providing all of these things? It's not Lebanon. Lebanon didn't provide you with corn and oil. Lebanon didn't provide you with prosperity. Lebanon didn't provide you with protection. You know who did? I did, God says. And so what you're going to find is as Israel, they repent. He says, if you repent, then I'll forgive you and I'll heal you and I will revive and I'll bring all these things back that you thought Lebanon was bringing. He says, no, you're going to find out that it was always me. I was the one that was providing for you. I was the one that was taking care of you. I was the one that was protecting you. You thought it was Lebanon. You thought it was these other countries out there. But God says, it was always me. And you're not going to need to look outside anymore. Because you, if you'll repent, I'll forgive you. I'll heal you. And I will revive you. You'll have everything that you need through me. And he says in verse number 8, Ephraim shall say... What have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I'm like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. So he's saying, when this happens, Ephraim is going to say, why, why do I need idols then? Remember, they, again, they were looking to the idols. We don't need these idols anymore. We don't need these other countries anymore. Why? Because we have God. We, we have the Lord. And this is what he says. I have heard him, observed him. I'm like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. He says, you're going to find all of this is, go, is, is coming from me. It's not coming from any other place. And you're going to come to the realization, you know what? I don't need these idols that I've made with my hands. I don't need these other countries that, that we think that that's where our prosperity is coming from. I, I don't need these other countries to, to bring what I think. And, and, and again, he talks about the corn and he talks about the, the oil and he talks about the protection and he talks about the, the, the beauty and, and the blessing and all these different things. He says, you're going to find all of that is found in me. It's all found in me. From me is thy fruit found. But now we come to verse number 9. Verse number 9 is a very interesting, interesting verse. Because God's told them, this is exactly what you need to do. Right? He listed those four things. This is what you need to do. And if you'll do it, if you'll do these things, this is what I will do. Right? So this is what I want you to do. You, you, need to, you need to repent. You need to put away all, all of these idols. You need to put away your sin. You need to stop trusting in other things. This is what I'm telling you you need to do. And if you do that, then this is what I will do. I'm going I'm to forgive you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to revive you. So now we come to verse number nine. Who will listen? Who will listen? Who is going to listen to this now? In other words, he's saying, I've told you what you need to do, and I've told you what I'm going to do now. Make your choice. Who's going to listen? Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. It doesn't take a fool to recognize what God is saying. This is what I want you to do. 
Just as we talked about earlier last week, you would sit down a child and say, look, this is what I want you to do, right? This is what I want you to do, and if you do this, then I'm going to do this. This is what God's speaking to Israel like a child. If you'll do this, then this is what I'm going to do. And then you look in your child's face. (laughs) Do you understand? Yeah. What? Wait, what? What am I supposed to do? Okay, this is what I want you to do. And if you'll do this, then this is what I'm going to do. Got it? Can you, one more time, right? This is what I want you to do. And if you do this, this is what I'm going to do. He's saying, this isn't hard to understand. This isn't hard, right? He said, who is wise and he shall understand these things. If, If you'll just think about it, it's not hard to grasp. He says, prudent and he shall know of them. Right? If you'll just think about what, what he's saying. Look, you're, you're headed to judgment. You're headed to destruction. There is a way out. You don't, have to, you, you don't have to go this route. There is a way out. If you will do this, I'll forgive. And I'll heal. And I'll revive. Are you going to listen? And this is what he says. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. You see, he puts before them a choice, a choice that this was not the first time they had heard. In fact, if you go all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy, as God has delivered them out of Egypt and led them through the wilderness and brought them to Canaan. And as Moses is getting ready to, to pass on, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, this is what God, through Moses, tells Israel. In verse number 19, he says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose Therefore, or excuse me, therefore choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. So think about it. He says, look, I'm setting before you a blessing or a curse. This is what I'm saying. I'm setting before you life or I'm setting before you death. And he says, choose life. Don't choose death. Don't choose the curse. Choose life. Choose the blessing, Right? Why? Notice what he says. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware to thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. God says, here's the thing. I want you to have the promises that I've promised you. I want you to have the blessings that I have promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I want you to have this land and I want you to have the blessing and the the abundance of this land. But here's the thing. You have a choice. You choose life or you choose death. You choose blessing or you choose 
the curse. You choose me or you choose self. It's your choice. He says, choose life. Choose life. Why? Because he says, for he is thy life. He is thy life. Look, for a Christian, let's think about it for a moment. What life do we have really outside of Christ? What life do we have outside of Christ? Because here's the thing. Our our entire life is going to be with Christ. Our entire life. He said, no, that's, that's, that's when we get to heaven. No, no, no. He's living inside of you. He's with you now. And yes, when we get to heaven, guess what? We'll be able to be with Christ for eternity and praise the Lord for that. So what he's saying. I am your life. So we have a choice. Do we choose life or do we choose death? Do we choose the blessing or do we choose the curse? He says, I, I have so many blessings for you. But it's your choice. And this is why he says, who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Who is wise? You see, a truly wise person is going to look and say, well, of course. I would choose life. Of course, I would choose blessing. Of course, I would choose God. You say, doesn't everybody choose that? No. Not even every Christian chooses that. You say, but they chose to accept Christ as their Savior. Sure. But have they chose to make Christ their life? And this is what he's saying. You, You have a choice. This is what I am willing to do. But first, you have to do this. You have to repent. You have to put away your iniquity, your sin. You have to put away these gods. You have to stop trusting in all these things. And if you'll do that, I'm telling you exactly what I'll do. I will forgive and I will heal and I will revive you and I'm going to bless you. And yet there are so many Christians that will say, you know what? No, that's just, I just don't think I want that. I just don't think I want the blessings of God. I just, I just don't think I want revived. I just don't, I don't think I want forgiven because I, I'm okay. And I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and live my life the way I want to live. Well, here's what you have chosen then. But the transgressors shall fall therein. God says, you have a choice. You can choose life. He says, for the ways of the Lord are right and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall. Transgressors shall fall. You can be wise and choose the ways of the Lord or you can be foolish and choose to ignore the Lord and fall in your transgression. Now hold your place here in 2 Kings. I'm sorry, hold your place and turn to 2 Kings. So we all saw what God said, right? 
God said, if you will repent and you'll turn from your sin and you'll turn from your idols, this is what I'll do. So what was their choice? In 2 Kings chapter 18, excuse me, chapter 17, it says, In the twelfth year of Ahaz, king of Judah, began Hosea, the son of Elah, to reign in Samaria over Israel nine years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel that were before him. Against him came up Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, and Hosea became his servant and gave him presents. And the king of Assyria found conspiracy in Hosea, for he had sent messengers to So, king of Egypt, and brought no present to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Then the king of Assyria came up throughout all the land and went up to Samaria and besieged it three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away into Assyria and placed them in Halah and in Habor by the river of Gozan and the cities of the Medes. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which has brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. They built them high places in all their cities from the tower of the watchman to the fenced city, They set them up images and groves in every high hill under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen, whom the Lord carried away before them, and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols, whereof the Lord said unto them, Ye shall not do this thing. Yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by the prophets and by the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by the servants, the prophets. Verse 14. Here's their choice. Notwithstanding, they would not hear. They would not hear, but hardened their necks like to the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. And they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers and his testimonies, which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after them that were round about them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served Baal. And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass fire. That's called child sacrifice. And used divination and enchantments. That's called witchcraft. And sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel. And remove them out of his sight. God said, you have choice, two choices. You can choose life or you can choose death. You can choose the blessing. You can choose the curse. So the choice is yours. I'm telling you, this is what I will do. But first, you have to do this. You have to repent. You have to turn. You have to put your sin away. You have to stop serving these other gods. 
And if you'll do that, I will forgive. And I will heal. And I will revive. I will bless. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. Prudent. And he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. And the just shall walk in them. The transgressors shall fall therein. Hosea ministered in Israel for about 60 years. Around 740 B.C. began the initial deportation of Israel. But it wasn't until about 722 B.C. when Israel, as we just read in 2 Kings, in the capital city of Samaria, was finally taken by the Assyrians after a three-year siege. It is estimated it's, that the book of Hosea, his prophecy, ended about a year or two before Israel's destruction. God says, I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. Even though they have been for 600 years, <laughs> they have turned against God. For 600 years, they've followed after the heathen. God says, I'm going to send one more prophet. His name is Hosea. And he's going to tell you what I want. He's going to tell you what you need to do. And he's going to tell you what I will do if you'll do it. But here's the thing. If you don't do it, judgment's coming. And Israel said, God, we don't believe you. We don't need you. We don't want you. God said, okay. Okay. And the Assyrians came and wiped Israel off the face of the map. They chose death when they were offered life. They chose a curse when they were offered a blessing. You say, what fools? What fools? Yeah. And yet, there are many Christians that are choosing a curse and death when they've been offered life and a blessing. God, I don't need you. I got what I wanted out of you. I know I'm going to heaven. That's all I need. I don't need you anymore, God. I don't want you anymore. I'll do what I want to do. The transgressors shall fall therein. But the way of the Lord is right. And the just shall walk in them. It's your choice. What will you choose? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this book of Hosea. Lord, very obvious dealing with Israel. 
and all that they went through. And yet, Lord, so applicable for today in our country and for Christians. Lord, you've told us, I will forgive, I'll heal, I'll revive, I'll love you through it all. If we'll return. If we'll repent. If we'll put away these sins that we think bring satisfaction. If we stop trusting in all these other things that we think will bring provision and protection. And we simply turn to you. Lord, I pray you to help us to walk in the way of the Lord. Lord, help us to choose life, to choose that blessing, knowing that that can only come as we follow you. Lord, you are life. Lord, I pray you'd work in our hearts. Lord, help us to realize how serious this is. That we would not be foolish like Israel and say, God, I don't need you. I don't want you. I'll do what I want to do. Lord, may we understand how desperately we need you. And may we return to you. Father, work in our hearts. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, no one looking about tonight, the piano is just going to play softly. Maybe this evening, maybe there's something that God is speaking to your heart about tonight. Something that you know is keeping you from really just giving your life to Christ completely. Saying, Lord, it's all yours. choose life and blessing or will it be a curse and death who is wise and he shall understand these things prudent and he shall know them Maybe God's speaking to your heart right now saying, you know, that's right. You know you need to choose life. But it's your choice. You have to make it. No one can make it for you. It's been a great study through the book of Hosea. I've enjoyed it. I hope that you've learned some things through it as well. 
And uh, it just constantly is amazing to me how something written, obviously, to, to Israel uh, so many, many, many years ago, and yet just fits absolutely perfect in the day and age that we live today. And uh, God's Word is <laughs> it's for every generation. Amen? And uh, it's, been a, it's been a great study. And uh, looking forward to next week, Dad starting Joel. And that'll be great as well. And uh, so, Brother Joel, why don't you go ahead and come tonight and um, share.